Good morning. After all those good VBS songs, I feel like I should preach, jumping them down like this. Yeah, everyone. Okay. Um, I have two grandchildren. They're both age three and younger. And my wife and I took them to the pool a little bit ago. We said, all right, so here's the plan. We're going to take them to the pool, and we're going to try to get them to get to put them, their face completely in the water, right? Get them used to getting their face water, get them completely dunked under the water. This is not a baptism, but, but we get them dunked under, under the water. So my grandson, Ian, it's hard to get him to get away from the, from the pole, you know, on the steps. But, you know, like, come on, come on, I got you. Just put your face on, you, you can do it. Like, no, no, he doesn't want to quite do it, right? And eventually, eventually he goes really fast. It's like, look, look, dude, you're not all under the water. Okay, you got your nose and your mouth, and okay, we'll take that, we'll take that. My granddaughter, Nora, on the other hand, we're afraid she's going to drown. <laughs> like, like, like she'll, she's walking down the ramp, and she's getting deeper and deeper, and we're like, um, okay, you know, and we're holding her out in the water, and she's trying to push away from us. Like, she's, she's completely under the water. She is, she is all in the water. Um, I guess Ian's more like me when I was growing up. If the pool was cold, I wasn't the guy who would jump all in. I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, okay, that's, that's kind of cold. Okay, okay, you know. But, but yeah, but my granddaughter, Nora, she, was, she's all, she was all in on, on that. Um, and, and today, um, we are talking about being all in. And so we are in 1 Samuel 7, if you if you will turn there, one sec. My notes are out of order. We're going to fix it. All right. Sorry about that. So the question today is, are, are, you, all, are you all in? Are you all in? Are 100% committed to the Lord? It's going to require some self-examination on our parts to see, see where we are. Um, in 1 Samuel chapter 7, we're going to focus on verse 3. Let's read, read this here together. Um, and Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord, and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So we notice here that Samuel is focusing on this if-then statement. If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then. So... Samuel, I think, had good reason to question whether Israel was really all in with God. You know, they, they had a history of, you know, kind of being with God, and then they'd wander away, then they'd come back to the Lord and serve him, and then they'd, they'd wander away again. And it was just long history of, of cycling back and forth between being uh, committed to the Lord and not. And so... Samuel wants to be extremely clear with them and say, if you are all in, then 
then there are some things that you will do to demonstrate that you're all in with the Lord. And of course, this applies to us as well today. And so we are asking ourselves the same question and applying this to our lives. If we are all in, then we will also do these things. The first thing that Samuel tells them is that if you are all in, then you will have a singular God. Here in this part of verse 3, he says, Put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you. Now, Ashtaroth was um, the primary female deity of the Phoenicians, and uh, Ashtaroth is the plural of it. They, they worship many local versions of that. Uh, but that's just one of many gods. You've probably heard of Baal, was the primary male god of the time. But there were lots of different gods that Israel was worshiping besides Yahweh, besides God himself. Now, when, when God brought Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land, um, he gave them some very clear instructions. What to do, what not to do when you get there. Primary of those being that when you enter the promised land, you must stay away from the gods of the other nations and worship me only. You know, leave them alone. They'll lead you astray. Stay focused on just me and worship me only. But what does Israel do? They get to the promised land and they're lured away. And next thing you know, they're worshiping these other gods. Um, now, they still worship Yahweh but they were worshiping other gods as well. And so he had this mixture. And so it's not a good thing. So I guess it's good today that we don't have these gods, right? There are no other gods out there. It's just one, right? Well, unfortunately, maybe not the case. Uh, I don't know anybody that's out there worshiping Baal or Ashtoreth, but there are other gods. Um, so I want to turn to Webster's definition of God. In Webster's Dictionary, have several definitions. One, the supreme or ultimate reality. Probably goes pretty much in line with our view of, of God as the creator and sustainer of the universe, the one who, who uh, is above all, all else. Um, but it also can mean a person or thing of supreme value to a person. Or thirdly, definition, one, controlling a particular aspect or part of reality. So, I'm sure that you recognize we live in a very secular society, do we not? And in our very secular society, I think the vast, seems like these days, the vast majority of people either ignore God or deny the reality of there being a God. And so, okay, they don't have a God. Well, not, not really, because people still have a God of some kind. They still have an ultimate reality. They still have something that they consider to be of supreme value. That, that might be science. That might be an ideology, a political movement, something. It could be themselves and their own desires, their own whatever they have, right? So 
there are still other gods and gods that people worship. And I think, unfortunately, you and I can sometimes be like Israel, and we can get lured away to worship these other gods of our society as well. When we value something above God, then that is a God for us. When we have something that controls a particular aspect of our life that is not God, then that is a God for us. You know, there, there are some things in my life that are easy for me to give God control of. I don't have any problem with them. But though there are other areas in my life that are a lot harder for me to give over to God, a lot harder for me to give God control over. And I imagine that you are probably the same way. So what are these gods that might, we might have in our life? It could be any of a number of things. It might be success. Whatever your definition of success and uh, accomplishment in life is, um, or the money that goes along with it. With the uh, advent of social media, there's a lot of uh, desire out there for acceptance. I want to get the likes. I want to get the, the views. I want to get the followers. Um, and that can, that can be put ahead of God. It can even be a hobby that gets out of place and takes a higher priority than it should. It can even be things that are, that are good and positive in themselves, like family or spouse or children, whatever, can become more important than God even. Um, and sometimes it's, it's the harmful things in life that can take control, whether it be alcohol or drugs or sexual immorality, whatever it is, there are things that can be God's and we have to be careful about that. And so we ask the question, are you all in? And if so, then you need to have a singular God. The second thing that Samuel tells Israel and that God tells us today is, if you are all in, then you will maintain a singular focus. In the passage in verse 3, he says, and direct your heart to the Lord. So in what direction have we focused our hearts? What, are, what is the focus of our thoughts, our intentions, our values, our priorities in life? If we have a singular focus on God, then we will, it will mean that our life is ordered by God. He is setting the priorities and the focus of our life. Because we know that there are lots of competing priorities out there in life, right? Um, i trying to think of an example. It's like one that came to mind as maybe the best example is from the movie The Incredibles. I remember The Incredibles. You know, I remember there was one of the characters was Frozone and a wife named Honey. They had a little conversation one day about things. You might remember it. Uh, Frozone says, where's my super suit? And he says, I, I put it away. Where? Why do you need to know? I need it. Uh-uh, don't you think about going out there and doing no daring do. We've been planning this dinner for two months. 
The public is in danger. My evening is in danger. Remember that? (laughs) You tell me where my suit is, woman. We are talking about the greater good. Greater good. I am your wife. I am the greatest good you are ever going to get. And husbands, we know that's true, do we not? That our priorities in life must always be whatever the wife wants. Doesn't matter if the public's in danger. We got our priorities straight, right? <laughs> Lots of competing priorities, right, in life. But the thing is, you know, God does not want to be a part of your life. He wants to be your life. Okay? Not just a part. He wants to be your life. The one who orders your life from top to bottom. Every aspect. Focused on God and by God. How we order our work. How we order our leisure. How we order our family life. Whatever it is. Now, this is not to say that those things are wrong in themselves. We, we are supposed to work. <laughs> like most of us have to work. But... Who am I seeking to please at work? How do I treat other people there? Do I give, what kind of effort am I giving in my job? Or in my home life, am I following the principles that God has laid down as a husband or wife, child, parent, whatever it is that you are? And even in my leisure life, and God's not against leisure and having fun, but where is there balance? Is it all in line with, with how God would have us order our life? Now, I think I have to say that this is not an easy thing to evaluate. It does not necessarily just come to our mind that our priorities are out of line. It's pretty easy to be blind to those things, I think. <clears throat> and I think that To come to a proper evaluation of where we are there, I think it takes some time off quiet, in prayer, contemplation, and reflecting on where we are. And ask the Lord to reveal to us if there are areas of our life that are not focused on God. And so, we ask the question, are you all in? If so, you will maintain a singular focus. The third thing that Samuel tells us is that if you are all in, then you will seek a singular service. And so he tells Israel, and serve him only. Now here we're transitioning from the internal to the external, from the more uh, abstract to the concrete, the way that we live our life. And we all, I think, would be honest and say that we know right from wrong, and yet we seem incapable of doing the right thing, at least not consistently. There's always something that seems, we seem to, seems to trip us up, and, and, we, and we can't live that perfect life the way that we know we want to. But we are at least seeking to be serving him, and if we're serving him, then we'll be obeying him. At least that's what we should be striving for. But, but I think here that is more than just morality and what's right and wrong. I, 
He's, he's talking about, who, about our service. Who are we seeking to, to serve? Um, raise your hand. How many of you know who Bob Dylan is? Yeah, less than half. Y'all are way too young. So, um, Bob Dylan was a music icon in the 60s and 70s, um, but he couldn't sing a lick. Y'all okay. know that's right, right? Uh, but he mainly could write some good lyrics, apparently. Um, and in the, in the late 70s, he had a conversion to Christianity. And in 1979, I wrote a song called You Gotta Serve Somebody. Um, one male vocalist of the year, even though I can't sing for that song, but, but it was a great song. And in that song, he said, you know, you may be important, you may be powerful, you may be talented, all these things, but you gotta serve somebody. Everybody's gonna serve somebody. I don't know if I can sing like him, but it may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you gotta serve somebody. Was that, was, that, was that kind of Bob Dylan? That, yeah, that's how I was. Yeah. Maybe I should go into music. Probably won't. Who, so who are we serving, right? Who are we serving? Too frequently, unfortunately, it's ourselves. But really, truly, we're serving ourselves above what God would have us do. But we've got we to think about that. We've got to change that. So I would ask, so we have to ask the question, how can you serve God? Well, you serve God with your time, you can serve God with your talents, and with the spiritual giftedness that God has given you. So I would ask you a question, what is your ministry? What is your ministry in the church, in the world? What has God called you to do? Where has he called you to serve? And, you know, this is not an advertisement for FCC uh, um, ministries, but here at FCC we do offer opportunities to serve, and we need people to serve. I mean, saw the kids come up, you know, whether it be in VBS, but every week we have children's classes and we need people to serve there. We have youth. We have life groups where we need people to participate, but also to be leaders. There's opportunities to serve in various types of mission and all kinds of ways that we can serve the Lord. And, you know, we put these connection cards on the chair, not just for new people who are here as visitors or first-time attenders, but also to give you an opportunity to say, okay, I want to take a next step. I'm going to volunteer to do this. I'm going to serve the Lord in this capacity or whatever. And, and so it's something we need to, I really, we really need to consider. Where is it that God would have us serve? And I need to be seeking that. So are you all in? If so, Seek a singular service. The fourth, final thing that Samuel tells Israel and us today is that if we are all in, then God will also do something. He will provide an ongoing deliverance. And so, he says in verse 3, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Okay, so... Who are these Philistines? The Philistines were the primary enemy of Israel at this time. They were regularly attacking Israel over and over again. They had taken over a significant portion of the promised land that God had given them and were just occupying and said, this is our land now, y'all are out. And so it seemed like to Israel that they were powerless to stop the Philistines. And they, 
therefore lived in constant fear that they would be attacked again. Well, so that raises the question for me, is that who are the Philistines in my life? Who is that enemy that I'm afraid of that is constantly attacking me and dragging me down? And look, we, we all have difficulties in life, do we not? And, I mean, you get sick, you have difficulties, you have other problems. I mean, I've got a daughter who just had eye surgery. I've got a daughter who's throwing up. Uh, I need to have eye surgery for glaucoma. You know, the older I get, there's, there's always something, right? And it seems like whenever things are good, just wait a day or two, something else will come up, right? It's, it's always, always something. And God certainly can get us through those things. But I think the, the older I get, the more things break down. <laughs> but the older I get, the more I think that that's not God's primary focus. His focus is more on the spiritual enemies. The things that keep me from being all in with him. The, the spiritual enemies that keep me from becoming more like Christ, that keep me from becoming mature in my walk with him. And those enemies might be harder to see than the fact that I, my eyes need surgery, that my stomach hurts, or that I've got cancer, or whatever it is. And so we need to keep our eyes out for that. Now, Notice, we're going to go on to some other verses. It doesn't say that you won't be attacked. Just delivered. In verses 10 and 11 here it says, As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. And they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below beth Car. Okay, So between verse 3 and, and verse 10, Israel responds to what Samuel says, and they do exactly what he said. They gave up the other gods. They turned their hearts to the Lord to serve him only. They you know, fasted and prayed. And after they have done this, they get attacked. While... They're offering up an offering to the Lord. They are attacked. This is the reality, folks. When you are committed all in with the Lord, when you are seeking to be what you want, He wants you to be, that is when you will be attacked. More often attacked when you are on the right path than when you are not. It's a guarantee. But we can and would be delivered by the Lord. Notice also that remembering past victories brings present peace. Verses 12 and 13 in our passage. Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. 
So the Philistines were subdued and did not enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Okay. So after God brings this victory over the Philistines, Samuel takes a stone and he sets it up in a certain place and he calls it Ebenezer. He's like, what are we naming our stones? What, what is that? Why did, why did he do that? Well, Ebenezer means stone of help. Okay, why is he setting up a stone of help there? Samuel knows that going forward, every time the Israelites pass this place and see this stone of help, they'll remember what the Lord did for them on that day. They'll remember the victory that God brought, and that will give them the ability to trust him again today. To believe that he not only helped them then, if he helped me then, he can help me now. He can help me in the future, no matter what it is, no matter what attack I'm under, I don't have to be afraid. The Lord is on my side, and he will deliver me. And he says, when he said, till now the Lord has helped us. The first one is like, what do you mean till, till now? You know, I don't think that Samuel's saying that, okay, in this sense. The Lord has helped us so far, well, I wonder if he's going to help us again. We'll see. It's not that. It's No, till now the Lord has helped us. Of course he's going to help us again and again and again. And he will be there to deliver us and help us through. So much so that after this point, the Philistines didn't come back and attack Israel again in their territory. And as long as Samuel was alive, they were at bay. Now, Samuel certainly represents, he was the prophet, he was their leader and all, but he you know, that's kind of just the representative of the fact that they are in with the Lord all the way. They were serving the Lord and serving him only. They, were, they had all these things in, in the right place. And so, if there's any doubts about being all in, what we receive from God is worth it. It's worth it. And so... We have to ask ourselves one more time, are you all in? I'm going to lead us in a prayer in a moment, and you have an opportunity to, in your seats to pray to the Lord. I'll lead us in some prompts, but we're also going to have people over here next to our need prayer banner. If you, while we're praying, if you need prayer and want to be prayed over, we invite you to come and, and do that. Um, so let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are that you are God and you alone. That you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So I invite us now to uh, spend some moments asking ourselves the questions: Are are we all in? and examining those things. Do we have other gods? Are our priorities straight? Are we focused on him? Are we serving him? Spend a few moments praying about that.
Father, forgive us for not being all in. And give us the strength we need to to be 100% committed, dedicated to you in our life. And I would ask you to remember a time when the Lord was your stone of help, where God has proven his ability to deliver you and to use that uh, memory to focus in on how the Lord will deliver you from your current enemies, whatever it is that you're facing. Spend a few moments telling the Lord how much you will trust him and believe that he will deliver you from whatever it is you face now. All right, thank you for being our Savior. Sent your Son to die on the cross that we might not just be delivered from day-to-day stuff, but from the eternal things, the sin that would separate us from you, that we have the opportunity to spend eternity with you through Jesus' blood sacrifice for us. Lord God, you are God, and you deserve to be, for us to be all in. And Lord, we would commit ourselves to that and to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.